about you, but that was overwhelming. Amen. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, Richard. Sometimes Richard and I want to kill each other, you know that? But we love each other, actually. Richard, Richard qualified as a... I, we, we call you Sir Richard Ritchie. Now what are we supposed to call him? Right? The Right Honourable Sir Richard Ritchie. Right? He qualified at a very, 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 very high level in his profession. And God has blessed him for years. He's an incredibly faithful man in this house. And I, we've been praying this week for him. Um, for everything, it's been heavy on my heart. Not heavy in a negative way, heavy in a positive way. But would you combine your faith with me and pray for your brother that for the next steps, whatever it is, he's worked long and hard. And I want to see the benefit of that for him and for the kingdom. St stand with me. Stretch your hands forward. Lord, we thank you for Richard. I thank you for the deep, great character that you've given him. Lord, for the personality so winning that you've given him for the academic superiority and, and, and brilliance that you've given him. And we praise you for it. God, we sanctify it even further. We pray for his future, Lord, for his wife, for his children, for his, his job, his profession, his location, that you will be with him in everything. Father, we deposit our faith with him. We bless him and we send him out. Give him favor with the nations. Give him favor wherever he goes. I thank you. You've given him a, a broken and contrite and humble heart. And I pray he will continue. Lord, we lift the nations and we lift our brother to you. And give him back to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Well, 20, can we turn off the projector just one moment, please? 2020 is just around the corner. Um, I think Atanasio a couple of weeks ago said on a Wednesday night, he said, I guarantee you I've got a word. And I heard from the Lord that night. Um, I was saying to him, I guarantee you you had a word. We'll see this inter uh, supernatural increase. I guarantee you it's a word. I guarantee you it's a word, okay? So if you didn't get it, you don't blame God. Right? People always do that. If you didn't get it, but it's not over, right? We've still got another how many days? Ten days? It's not over. Keep fighting for it. Receive it and press through. Amen. Amen. Please, Ray, see these signs? Don't throw them out. Amen. I want to hang on to these. And I want you to see it and remember it. We will have a new theme. It's on the way. But I want you to remember this. Don't let it go. Because for me, it was a highly, highly charged and significant uh, word. So as they say, don't leave home without it. <laughs> How many couples have got this? Love and respect. How many couples got this book? Wow, I'm surprised. Kofi, we've got homework to do here. I should have seen every ham up, hand up here. This is brilliant. This book is really, really brilliant. This is the Spanish version of uh, the book that we did when we did the couple's weekend away. Uh, I bought a Spanish version for my wife because I wanted to read it. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's called Love and Respect, which are age-old themes. There's nothing new with the theme. I mean, you've preached it a thousand times. But this guy's done a magnificent job. He brought such a fresh perspective to these two things. Um, with just this week, we read a chapter. 
and then we sit down and talk about it, read another chapter, calm down, you know how it is, and then read another chapter, talk about it, because she's gone through enormous changes. Just five minutes ago, she was working full-time in a university, teaching a professional, highly recognized, speaking Spanish. Now, she's a communicator. She teaches communication, social communication. Now, she can hardly communicate because she doesn't speak English well. Can you imagine going from not only communicating all day and being in a very high position to a place where you go, I don't know what to say. It's very difficult. And then you've got to live with me. God, help us. Then you've got to move country. You've got to change food. You've got to change weather. You've got to change your family. You've got to change so many, 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 many changes. So we've been talking about how on earth are you coping with that? How is it? How's it going for you? Churches love change. Churches hate change. People love change. They demand change. But then they don't like change. True? I want change. I don't want change. And this is the, the, really the paradox we live in. It truly is a love-hate relationship. Absolutely it is. And it, the more I want change, sometimes the, the less I'm willing to cooperate with the changes that, are, that God pulls me into. As we approach 2020, as we approach a new year and a new beginning... Please open your heart. Please open your heart and your spirit to whatever type of change God may bring your way. Look at this. Voluntary changes. We all make them. You do this, you do that, because you want to. It's something you happily embrace, and you do it with all your heart. But it's not the only type of change. There's involuntary changes. And that can be fake. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. For me, an involuntary change is bringing a bag to Tesco's. Is it just me? <laughs> I don't think of a plastic bag when I'm leaving the house. And I get really frustrated when I go into Sainsbury's or something, and, I, and there's no bags anymore. And when you ask for a bag, it's like you're a criminal or something. I just want a plastic bag, that's all. Involuntary change was when this country changed the law. And now you have to are supposed to bring your own bags. There are many things that involuntarily, against my own will, I will comply with because society makes me, right? Amen? There's loads of those. But I want you to notice something. The change is fake. Because in my heart, I really don't want to, you know, bring my bag with me. Voluntary change is genuine, and I embrace it because I want it. But involuntary change... It can be a fake change. And I've got to, I want to come back to this in a moment. And then I can just downright refuse to change. I can reject whatever changes God wants to bring to me. I, I'm very, very conscious of this because I stand up here all the time and do altar calls. Uh, and if, if, if you were in my position, you would be much more conscious of change than you maybe are today. I see altar calls in different countries all the time, and you become very, very sensitive to change and who actually wants change. Remember the cripple at the pool. He couldn't walk. You know, Jesus, help me. And Jesus came to him and said, what do you want? Remember? And he said, I want to walk. 
That was the change he wanted. So Jesus said, get up, rise, take up your mat and walk. He wanted a change and he received the same change. Amen. Amen. Remember the rich young ruler. Quite the reverse. Here's someone who thinks, well, I'm a good guy. I've done nothing wrong all my life. I've obeyed the law. I've done this. I've done that. I've, you know, what's wrong with me? So he goes to Jesus thinking he wants change. Probably genuinely believed that. And when he approached Jesus, Jesus put his finger on the one thing, right? Within the rich young ruler that was, ne- that, that was the necessity for change. But that young man couldn't actually embrace his 2020. So what would the point be for you? That's what we're doing this week. Just looking at what changes am I struggling with, Mary? You tell me. Okay? Lest I be self-deceived. What changes are you struggling with? I will tell you. And let's work this thing out together. One thing's for sure, change is permanent. So you're going to be changing whether it's voluntary, whether it's involuntary. You can refuse all you want, but that's not a good strategy. Very simple message this morning. Don't be uh, put off by your notes. They look complicated, but it's not going to be complicated. I would say to you, do you have an area of your life with ongoing practical issues? I see this all the time. I don't know why people, Christians born again, we get a bit hyper-spiritual sometimes. But what practical issues are maybe am I stuck with? Do you remember Jonah in the boat? That boat was perfectly fine. Everybody's happy until what? Jonah gets in the boat. And as soon as Jonah gets in the boat, what happens? Storm? Storm? Does the storm stop? No. Storm and trouble? It was endless until Jonah... Until that person leaves your life, until you get control of whatever that thing is, there's going to be a storm in your life. Now you tell me, at what time are you going to identify and ditch the Jonah? What year? Another two years? Another five years? When is Jonah going to go overboard? We've all got Jonah's. As long as Jonah is in that life, that life has endless trauma, endless troubles, left and right. Identify your Jonah. And over he goes. And that was good news for him. And for Nineveh. And for the boat. And it will be good news for you. I could cry with the people I've visited The men and the women. And I sit and I look at them and I say, Why do you put up with this? Hello? (laughs) Why have you put up with this? Jonah, why have you put up with this attitude or this situation or this problem? So I ask you, what practical issues could be attitude changes? Goodness knows I've been wrestling with those and still am. Maybe I put house because it's very important to me. I really care about where I live. It's important to me because I like to pray in my house. And, but for some of you, maybe just ch- change a house would do you the world of good. Just move. Maybe your physical location is not good. Maybe your job, get a new job. We've got, I think, five people currently in the, this church who are doing, or they're either already enrolled or they're, we're 
organizing enrollment in different courses so they can change their ministries. They want to move forward. Look, it's a change. Without the qualification, they can't move on to the next phase of their life. But maybe some of you need to go back to college. Go back and find something. Let God speak to you and then go and get educated in whatever that is. Why did I write weight down? Change my weight. I don't know. That must be the mistake. Change my seat. Let's see. Anybody sitting in the wrong seat? No. Everybody's sitting exactly where you always sit. Yeah. I thank God I'm not like that. Amen. Praise the Lord. No problem for me. Just to change your seat is a, is a challenge for some people. How on earth are we going to cope with major life changes? Do you know when Elijah... Well, well, well let's give Richard a round of applause. Hallelujah. <laughs> when Elijah... There's Elijah and the servant. Elijah can see all that God can do. Remember? He can see the armies. He's got a totally different mindset. But the poor servant's only looking on a natural level. And Elijah turns to God, would you please help this guy to change his perspective? Right? To see with spiritual eyes. Open my eyes, oh God. Open my eyes, oh God. Eyes forward, please. Let me tell you a secret. Four weeks ago, when we did the five senses, sight, touch, smell, taste, here. This has only happened to me maybe twice in my whole life. Where, I'm, where I'm, I'm preaching something, and suddenly God's moving in the room. All right? Now, for me, that was just an informative message. I did not expect what happened that morning to happen that morning. Last week, we were back here late after the service because as I was preaching a very simple message, I was looking up, oh, somebody crying there, but it wasn't a very emotional. Oh, there's somebody else crying here. And another two. I thought, oh dear, okay. What, what's happening there? And suddenly God was moving, wasn't he? Moving in this place. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to help you to see him. See him maybe in a way that you've never seen him before. Open my eyes, O oh Lord. Open my eyes, O oh Lord. Make me like Elijah, not like the servant. So if you've got ongoing practical issues, I'd ask you to analyze those things and see is there some change I need to make that will free me from these things? Is it something I need to change? The second thing I would say is ongoing spiritual issues. This is not easy. I was studying change yesterday with a professor in America, in Colorado. It's a woman, Jenny Cross, I think her name was. And she said this. Change equals pain plus opportunity. Pain, because we don't like change. Change brings pain, plus it brings opportunity. And Lord, the more you focus on the pain, the less you're going to want to be voluntary and may even refuse. But if I focus on the opportunity, I will embrace change. I will see it as my friend. Amen. Without that, I'm not going to move forward. I have had to change my theology many, 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 many times. I worked for the Baptist church, believe it or not, for three years. Baptist churches are led by elders, a group of elders. It's very different from our structure. 
So I was under the control of a group of elders for three years. Then I moved to VFC, which is one-man leadership. That's our structure, totally different. Then I worked with Elam in Liverpool for one and a half years about that. That's completely different again. So I constantly have found myself having to change my theology in order to adapt to the circumstance I find myself in. Amen? Amen. So do you. So do you. Oh, Jesus. That sad week. About three years ago, a good friend of mine called Ransford Obeng. It was tea break at the RMD meeting, you know. Tea break. And he said, Mike, come here. And we took me away to a room on our own. And we sat down. And he said, I need your help. What? What do you need my help for? And he said, it's my wife. Got cancer. And I don't know how to cope. And I've been watching you <laughs> through it all. Help me. Help me. What, what do you do? What do you do in this situation? So over the last few years, I've been aware maybe some of you were not. He kept the things very quiet. But involuntary change for Ransford, friend. Involuntary change. And these changes will come to every single person in this room. Yes, they will. Everybody will have changes that they do not welcome or want in a million years. And your theology can really help you through that time. I, I was a geek of a student when I got saved. I mentioned before, I wrote, I hand wrote 26 volumes, which is wider than I can stretch, of notes on every doctrine, every character, every book. But you know what? That theology became a resting place for me. It became a security. And I started to grow further in the Lord, five years, ten years. And I used to look at those notes and saying, have I grown at all? Has my theology changed or am I still stuck? And I suddenly realized I'm anchored back when I was just born again. I need to develop some new theology. I need to grow. And I did a very, very, very difficult thing for me to do. I got all my files in my boot of my car. And it was hard because I didn't want to let them go. But I wanted to make room for God to do something new, something bigger, something better. I believed for more. Amen. When I look back at it, some of my teaching in those files was wrong. I didn't know it at the time, but it was wrong. Teaching about healing was wrong. Teaching about my thoughts on prosperity was wrong. But it was what I was first taught. And Christians are incredibly loyal to the thing they are first taught, whether it's right or wrong. Incredibly loyal. My grandmother said, well, maybe she was wrong. So I took those gray box files. I remember it because it was hard to change. I took them and I looked away and I threw them in a skip. And then today I've got a completely new stack of material, a completely new fallback to rest on, which I believe is progressive theology. Amen. Amen. And for some of you, definitely, believe me, hear me on this. You do need to change your theology, your philosophy of life or church or whatever. Please do so. Let God continue to grow you. You're not finished. You're not finished. Ongoing practical issues. What are they? Identify them and deal with them. Ongoing spiritual issues. Theology or just the Holy Spirit. 
<clears throat> Thank you. Yeah. Take a look at this. I hope this works. Yeah, because I need to record as well. Excuse me one moment. I want to give you, I'm not going to do the washing up. It's okay. <laughs> I want to give you an example here. This, see the Holy Spirit. Nothing is going to change you more than the Holy Spirit. Right? God alive in you. If you're reading your Bible without the Holy Spirit, you know, you, sometimes you could be reading a newspaper, if you know what I mean. There's people in church every day who are not born again who read the Bible all their lives and they're still not saved. There's Catholics who go to church more than you. Hello? You need the Holy Spirit. So your eyes are open when you read the Word and it's a living Word. Don't get religious on me now, will you? So, here's you, but you've got a dirty glass. You're polluted. Your thinking is wrong. Maybe a few bad spirits. Bad spirits in there. And then we talk about deliverance. Oh, this person needs deliverance. That person needs deliverance. Maybe you need deliverance. How do you get deliverance, Michael? What, 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 what are we going to do with this? And do you know what, people? You've got a number of choices, and I want you to recognize the choices, because many of you do suffer from bad spirits, or things, depression, or whatever, or anger. And maybe that's you, and your glass is a little bit colored, a little bit dirty. You go to some churches, in the name of Jesus, out. Oops, sorry. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, out. And the, the only one solution is to drive this. Oh, no, no, no problem. There's a place for that. There's a place for that. There's only one problem with that. Empty glasses ain't no good. Empty vessels, very dangerous for me. Don't like empty vessels. Because that person, you may well have the authority given to you by God to drive out demons. We'll come to that in a moment. <laughs> but you may not be, be able, or the person may not be ready to receive. So my, my point to you this morning when it comes to the Holy Spirit, as a pastor... I don't have to drive out all the demons in that form, in that way. That's called deliverance. There's another way, which is displacement. If I get a person with a dirty vessel, a polluted mind, all I've got to do is just keep on pouring, baby. Just keep on pouring, baby. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, just keep on pouring. And you know what? The cleaning will take place all by itself. You don't have to roll around at the front of the church. Just keep on receiving the Holy Spirit and you will be just fine. Amen? Thank you. So, how am I going to change by making a commitment to a consistent infilling? Seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking. By the way, let me mention Wednesday nights in here. The last few weeks have been fantastic. Is Sunday enough for you? Because it's not enough for me. Sunday's not enough for me. Please come along on Wednesday night. Amen? Make the time. Travel. It is worth it. And receive the Holy Spirit in an ongoing way. Number three. Integrity. By changing. one of the, I've been working with cultures for, for years and years and years. Different cultures. Indians, Pakistanis, Eritreans, Ethiopians. All types of culture. And one of the things with integrity I have found is that cultures can be very, very...
But I, I, I just want you to, un, to understand that when God talks about change, you're all, you've all got a culture. We've all got a culture. And that culture needs to be transformed into kingdom culture. And all of my loyalties from my parents or my background, that's all got to go. It's all got to go. And I've got to rise above it and see a different, a different way of living and enter into that. That's what I've got to do. That's what every Christian's got to do. Ongoing spiritual issues. Theology, Holy Spirit. You've got to learn to wait. <coughs> Moses waited 80 years. Noah waited 120 years. Joseph waited 14 years. Jacob waited 14 years. And people complain about waiting 14 minutes. Waiting is part of the process. It's part of our forefathers. It's what they did. And if you think waiting one week, two weeks, one year, two years, I'm afraid you need to get over it. Rick Seward left me alone for two years once with nothing to do. And no, you, 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 you just, well, okay. Long wait. Long, long wait for me. Long wait. Just you sit there. <laughs> okay. All of your forefathers waited. David said he not only waited, he said, I waited patiently. I waited with a good attitude. Number five, ongoing spiritual issues are betrayal. If you intend, to, please listen to me on this point, eyes forward. If you intend to follow God or to serve God in any significant way, and I believe you do, a day will come when you feel what? Betrayed. By God. It's part of the process. Do you know God spoke to Abraham? You're going to have a child. Remember? Yeah. Betrayal. The first ten years go by. What's about this promise? You let me down. You say this and you do another thing. Betrayal. Twenty years go by. No baby. I believed you. I trusted you. God spoke to Israel. He said, I'm going to bring you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Remember? What did they get? Manna and quail. You betrayed me. I listened to your, 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 your guidance. I listened to your word. And look at this now. We're starving here in the middle of nowhere. Betrayal. But they had to get through it. And Joseph. Joseph having a dream. You're going to rule. You're going to reign. And does he rule and reign? No. 14 years in a prison cell. How's that for betrayal? And every day trying to figure out what is going on in my life. Well, it's a little bit of a <laughs> involuntary change going on there, Joseph. So don't be afraid of betrayal. Don't be afraid. Rather recognize it as a trust issue with God. Learn to compromise. Compromise is not a bad word. We call it flowing with people, right? Amen? Learn to flow with people and develop faith in yourself. Faith in yourself comes from when God speaks to you. That's where you get faith from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God to you about you. When no one can shake you. I tell you, men will flatter you, right? Men will flatter you and it won't do you any good at all. You'll just be seeking the approval of people. Based on that. But when God speaks to you about who you are, nothing can shake that. That's very, very true. And my last point in, in conclusion here is how today to overcome ongoing stagnation. 
Father, would you break us free? As we approach 20, the reason I'm saying all this is because on Tuesday she said to me, you should prepare the people for 2020. You should begin to prepare them for change. And that just came alive inside me. And I constructed this from past knowledge on change and some research this week. How are you? I'm talking to everyone here now. Listen to me. This is personal. How are you then going to move on? Tell me what to do next. Well, I would say close the door on the past. Have you got the photo, Ray, the, the photograph there? Take a look at this. I showed you this once before, I think. This is, this girl is a very long-term friend of mine. She'd been a member with me since she was a kid. Very beautiful girl, and I had to, you can imagine the number of men who wanted to marry her. The queue went from here to London Bridge, you know what I mean? So I had to control her, which was difficult. Can I tell you this? No one in the world has hated me more than her. She absolutely hated me with a passion because I wouldn't let her marry this, excuse me, idiot. I wouldn't let her marry this guy. I'd prevented it many, many times with many different guys, but she wasn't serious about them. But she really did fall in love with this guy. The problem I have as a pastor is the man did not have the ability to lead her. She's very, 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 very strong girl. So I said to her, you know, you're not, you're not marrying this guy. You need to get away from this lad. And it went on and on and on and on and on. And I, I was thinking this morning, I think I've shouted at five people in the last 20 odd years. I don't shout. No, only up here. Hallelujah. And she was one of them. Yeah. I was ready to blow my, I was ready to explode, spontaneous combustion over this guy. You're going to ruin your life with this guy. And I rang her. She was on a bus. I rang her and I just let rip. You're not marrying that man. <laughs> so that was the end of him. She got rid of him. And I'm telling you this for a reason. What happened next? She has to close the door, right? So she partook in some involuntary change and she cooperated with me but she hated me with a passion and there was this niggling tiny little flickering flame at the back of her head that always kept saying to her but what if he's right what if he's right and the first year went by when she's sitting alone single lonely and I think it was probably the end of the second year that she began to think in her head, you know what, he probably was right. And as something transpired with that guy, by about year three or four, she was saying, he was definitely right, hallelujah, I didn't marry that idiot. Hallelujah. Right? But keep listening. We're talking about closing the door. What, do you do it in five minutes? No. Sorry. It wasn't quick. And I remember observing this because it was about year five that she genuinely voluntarily entered into change, and she began to change in her communication uh, with me to being very positive and looking ahead. And eventually she met Paul. But it took seven years to close the door. 
Hello. <laughs> took seven years to get the man out of her head, out of her heart, to get her emotions in order so she was ready for a relationship. So when I say close the door, uh, it may, I hope it's not seven years for you. I hope it's not. It doesn't have to be. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But I definitely am saying that it needs to be a proper job. So she properly closed the door and has now moved on in her life. Do you want to do that? Amen? Whatever issues may, may be trying to drag you back or pull you back, don't let them. Don't let them. Pray and ask God to give you the grace to close the door on the past. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Ray. You can take it down. Number two, ditch bad relationships. And I won't go back into that. We did it with, with family loyalties, cultural loyalties. And I would say for me, um, a major part of me moving forward in life is my own motive. How are your motives? <laughs> Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Rick Seward sent me here to LFC. I was sitting around in Costa Coffee with him. He's been my mentor for years, 20 years. And he sat quiet, <coughs> silent. He just let him think. And he looked at me and he said this. He said, I've got no one like you. I've got no one like you. And he was very sad. And then he elaborated, because you care about the individual cultures. You genuinely care, don't you? You care about the Russians, don't you? I've got lots of men that will build a famous church and make themselves famous, but they just want people with bones on the seats. Do you know what I mean? They just want them in the room so we can say, oh, we're Hillsongs or we're LFC. It's about me, not about the person. Are you with me? And it's a very sad moment for me, a bit like Paul with Timothy. It's very sad for me to hear that from Rick with, with, with the whole world at his disposal. I can't find anybody who cares about people and not image or numbers. Jesus. Sad. I don't care if nobody ever knows that we exist, LFC, in that sense. Okay? Amen? Jesus was anonymous for 30 years. Let's make Jesus famous. Do you know, I once had a report to do to some very senior ministers. And on my list, we had to do a report for our churches. How many were in LFC on Sunday? And I had you know, blah, blah, blah. How many were in Glasgow on Sunday? Blah, blah, blah. And in one of the things, I had Romanians, you see. So I had listed Romanians, like whatever, 100 in Dublin. And one of the senior ministers looked at the list and said, what's the Romanians doing on there? I said, well, we have, we have a Romanian congregation. Oh, no, 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 we, we, we don't count Romanians. <laughs> yeah. Out of the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. I don't count Romanians. I don't count Russians. Don't count Eritreans. Don't count Ethiopians. Don't count Brazilians. Because they don't count. Because I don't get personal credit. 
Because if they're not in my room, it doesn't come back on me. Are you following me? Nothing could be further from the kingdom culture I want to establish here. Nothing could be further. This is not a multicultural church. This is an international church. Totally different thing. And the bride that Jesus Christ comes back from, for, will be made up of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Hallelujah. It's a growth issue that most, most churches never get to, to be honest with you. That's why he said, I can't find anyone. Because most people never, ever make that progression. Get ready for 2020. Close the door on your past. Ditch negative relationships. Purify your motives. Of course, forgive everyone. But lastly, something happened here on Wednesday night with Atanasio. He was, he was preaching. He was preaching, and I saw something I've never, ever seen in my life before in, about moving on in my life. I'm a very, I'm, I can be a very strong person. I understand that. Um, my mentors over the years have always said, you, you, you know, cool it a little bit, maybe, maybe. Uh, so I, I have an open temptation to use domination, and men tend to go down that road very often. Sorry because they can be aggressive. But with women, because they're the weaker vessel, shall I continue? <laughs> it's manipulation. It's more manipulation. And the average woman can out-manipulate a man beyond, he's not even thinking about it. So clever is that female mind. It's, it's way, way, way beyond the man's capacity. She's made completely differently. And the goal of these is ultimately control but when these things fail, the final is emotions. And when you see someone, if, if you're confronting me, Michael, on something, you see, if, if, if I'm using emotion back on you, it means I don't want to change. And you can use your emotions to dominate people so that you stay the same. It's a defense technique. It's a well-established defense technique. And as... If you pastor churches, you will confront this on a very regular basis. But I've dealt with this for years. I've written books about it. But on Wednesday, I saw something I've never seen before about this list. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 35. Look at this. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 35. That day, when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they, uh, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious, look at this, everybody say furious. furious. Somebody's furious. Emotions. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
Jesus was at the stern and he was asleep on a cushion. Then the disciples woke him up. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down. And he his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Now look at chapter 5 because there's no division in the original scripture. This just carries straight on. The, the numbers are put there by men. They went across to the lake in the region of Ganares. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit, but it actually says legion, right? A legion, over 1,000 or 1,500 evil spirits in one person. A man whose name was legion lived in that area. And Jesus went up. You know the end of the story. He was bound hand and foot. They had to put him in chains because no one could control him. He was so violent. Night and day, he cut himself by the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he said, stay away from me. Get away from me. You're the son of the most high God. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And they begged Jesus not to send them out of the area. And Jesus delivers the person. Very interesting. Could you help me, Michael, please? Last week, Atanasio was Jesus. This week, you're going to be Satan. Okay. Okay. If you stand up there. So Michael is, Michael is demonized. This is absolutely fictitious. Okay. Michael is demonized. He's cutting himself. And he's on an island. And Jesus needs to get to him. Now, do you want change? You don't want any change. So as soon as you start to approach anger. Furious squall. Furious squall. Don't you come near me. If you come near me, I'm going to release my anger. Have you got any friends like that? (laughs) Right? If you try and deal with this issue, and that's the ploy of the devil, to try and use domination, because people in some ways feel at home, even with their problems. And Jesus, isn't Jesus wonderful? He just totally ignores the storm. Be still, storm. And walks straight in and sets the man free. Thank you, Michael. Praise the Lord. When you have children or spouses or someone in your workplace, and you know they've got a problem, when they use anger against you, you can talk about anything, but don't you talk about that. If you dare confront me, if you dare try to change me, I'm going to use domination, manipulation, control. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to start to cry because you're not being nice to me. Emotions. God help us indeed. So when you were preaching on, on Wednesday, I just saw this so clearly. I want to change. I want to grow. Not many years left for you. And I need to get rid of these things which behind it. These are bad habits and behind these bad habits is a bad. And everybody can sense it. So I want to change my habits and develop good godly disciplines in my life. And I want to exude and pass to you a good spirit. A kingdom spirit. Amen. Jesus, hallelujah, get ready for change.
Jesus. Edgar, would you sing your opening song again? Please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just stay seated a moment. Just bow your heads one moment. I want to look, as we've been doing in our home this week, looking at the issues in me that need to change. The issues in my wife that need to change. In our lives, in our ministry, being honest with ourselves. And I ask you just to reflect as we approach 2020. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge our need. I need to change my ways. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill me with your good, good, good spirit. Pray 2020, the best year of our lives. The best yet. The best yet. Stand with me this morning, please. I see. 